In the early 16th century, Western Europeans were so sick and tired of eating bland garbage morning, noon, and night that they decided to risk the lives of men and the fortunes of their empires to discover a sea route to the Spice Islands. Spain and Portugal were the main adversaries in this spice race, which makes it a little strange that the man to find the route would be a Portuguese-born sailor who defected to the Spanish cause. His journey has mostly become a footnote in the first pages of grade school textbooks, but this is one crazy story complete with sex, mutinies, suffering, and death. And since you know that like brown paper tied up with strings, these are a few of our favorite things, we can't wait to tell you the story. So, grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History titled The Magellan Expedition... No pleasure cruise. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Once again, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another exciting episode of 100 Proof History. I'm your main host, Greg, and as always, I'm joined by my sexy co-host, Christopher. Chris, how you doing, buddy old pal? Well, it is very good to have all you guys back. I'm so excited to be back myself and here to tell this story, but uh, today... I was trying to open a Laffy Taffy and the wrapper got stuck and it took like 20 minutes and it wasn't worth it. I had to eat the Laffy Taffy off the wrapper and I started bawling my eyes out because everything in my life is in shambles. But, you know, as far as the podcast goes, yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting time. You know, a lot of times there are those those cry for help situations, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I feel like that one ventures into the territory of like, <laughs> this needs to happen. Yeah, just let it go. Yeah. What are you like providing to the this world? Cruel, cruel earth. <laughs> All right, you rip it off. You can't even read the joke because it was stuck to the fucking candy. The Ugh. one thing that today was supposed to bring you joy. That was keeping me going. Yeah. The joke was just an aside. That's also ruined. <laughs> you start chewing on that banana laugh taff, you get a piece of wrapper, you're like, fuck it. Put the gun in your mouth. This gun tastes like bananas. The guy from the subway is banging on the door. Like, sir, you've been in there a long time. <laughs> Your meatball sub is ready, sir. Oh, you know, I thought hot and ready gave me like 45 extra seconds. We've got a miner that needs to use the bathroom. <laughs> Send him in. I'm not coming out. <laughs> he needs to learn about life. Well, we enjoyed a nice little spring break. Mm-hmm. A little late spring break. But we are... Roaring and rearing to get back into it. Rearing so hard. Yeah. Power rearing. Giving birth. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Greg, today for this story of Magellan, our main source is over the edge of the world. Magellan's terrifying circumnavigation of the globe by Lawrence Bergreen. Very good book. Fantastic book. I would highly recommend you guys check this book out if you're one of the people who likes to read things you're like oh if you're one of us losers <laughs> yeah you're like oh i should 
I should research this further. Oh, it's exactly what they fucking said, but it's way more boring because there's no dick jokes involved. You can also read about it on Audible, where instead of reading books like a nerd, like Chris, you can just listen to them. You can pretend like you read them, but meanwhile you're just daydreaming, like you're back in school and saving everyone from some school shooters by taking one of their guns and somehow gaining the ability to use them with expert precision. You know, you save your crush from a hostage situation and maybe get shot. Then you either imagine yourself die and how you would be honored post-mortem or, you know, you imagine your life as you live with the trauma of taking human lives and how you failed to save everyone. But anyway, and then you like have to rewind your audiobook because you missed the last two minutes of it. HundredProofHistory.com slash audible. Well, with that out of the way, Chris, you ready to get into the nitty gritty of one Ferdinand Magellan? I am. We'll get up all in his nitty gritties. Ooh. Uh, you know, they didn't they didn't shave back then. But, oh my God. Uh anyway, uh <laughs> go ahead. Three, two, one, go. Our story begins in 1494. Christopher Columbus had just oopsied his way into the Caribbean and was busy claiming inhabited lands for Spain and treating the occupants of those lands like shit. His discoveries got Spain and their neighbor Portugal all hot to trot to claim new lands for their respective empires. Realizing that the race to find new and exciting countries and claim them would lead to an inevitable European war, the Pope himself divided the entire world into two halves. The hats and the hat-nots. Because <laughs> the Pope has a big hat, Greg. That's, that's how he divided the... Mmm. Okay. Welcome back from break, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pa- yeah. Papal joke to start <laughs> us off. <laughs> The western half of the world was given to Spain, and the eastern was given to Portugal. So basically, all of the New World, save for Brazil, belonged to Spain, and the Portuguese were free to claim the entirety of Africa. And that's where they bless the reins. They do. They do that. Yeah. Also, when I play Risk, mm-hmm. have at it when it comes to Africa. I've got my base in Australia. I'm branching out from there. It's impenetrable. You're eventually going to lose. You are set if yeah. you're in Australia. I was thinking Africa, if you get Madagascar, you're kind of also set. There's only like two ways into that. But Australia, man, that's the way to go. All the virus spreading games, Madagascar is key. Yeah. And Greenland. But don't forget Greenland. Risk. But yeah. risk? Come on, man. <laughs> There's no risk in starting with Australia. I am a proud patriot who starts with America and gets fucked over in the first three turns and then flips the board and leaves the fucking game all huffy. <laughs> <laughs> fucking unrealistic piece of shit. Well, like I said in the intro, at this time, spices were all the rage. Just like in Star Wars, you know? Smuggling spice. That's what Han Solo did. What the bad guys in Mandalorian did. It's, it was a big deal. Uh, also, all the rage in late 90s UK. <laughs> the uh, Spice Girls Serious Hots for Ginger Spice I know what it was Just the little Red hair with the, the white running through it mm-hmm. mm-hmm Yeah she was my bae Then you've got Dude you've got the 60s 
mm-hmm. when uh, the ground story of Dune was coming out. Oh, that spy, yeah. yeah. All about spice. You had the shit, shit movie in the 80s. You had the really good movie recently. Oh, dude, everybody loves spice. Yeah, everybody loves spice. spice. <laughs> Remember when you were a kid and you'd watch cable? And oh, yeah. you you get the fuzz the fuzzy channel you might get a a nip out of every mm-hmm. once in a while because it was scrambled yeah spice channel just saw the the corner of a head of a thing mm. like, oh what is that yeah was that a ball oh uh, no get those nipples out of there oh that one's hairy hello <laughs> hello all I'm saying spice is the spice of life god damn that's so deep. That's the thing we're looking for in this podcast. Just that kind of deep, theoretical thinking on life. You're like, oh, it makes you really think about your own existence. You're related to this story. I wish the listener could see how smug I looked after I said that. (laughs) (laughs) So proud. I needed a robe and like a little pipe. Some sort of professor (laughs) in a library. (laughs) Spice is the spice of life. Oh, fucking just, yes. I fucking nailed it. Sorry, you can't smoke in your ear. I have tenure. God damn it. You can't do anything about this. <laughs> There's no tenure in a K through five daycare. <laughs> just a pipe in your mouth and you're flipping through one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. <laughs> it all rhymes. Just like life, if you think about it. Sir, please. <laughs> Are you drunk? Well, it is 9 a.m. and I work at a daycare, so. <laughs> I had a breakfast cocktail. <laughs> what of it? <laughs> well, anyway, spices were all the range. Not only did things like cloves and cinnamon kick European dishes up a notch, like emerald, Greg, <laughs> but they were also believed to possess medicinal qualities. Up until 1453, the spices were hauled over land through India and the Middle East and cost a literal fortune because there were so many middlemen. Yeah, and, you know, of course you had the actual spices, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, clove and cinnamon. But there were also other things, the mm-hmm. you know, things that aren't mentioned as much, like ivory, you know. Mm-hmm. People wanted ivory. People wanted opium. That was a big one. And that all came from that trade. So it wasn't just to make their shit, shit food less bland. It was to make their lives more fun. Because everybody knows, especially the current residents of China, ivory gives you boners. How does it? I did not know that. And opium takes them away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in 1453, the Ottomans took over Constantinople changed the name to Istanbul. Greg. Greg. Why'd they do that? Why they changed it, I can't say. Maybe they liked it better that way. Oh, there it is. Thank you for humoring me. That's the only thing I want to do on this podcast. Just, that's the only thing I care about anymore. It's the Mm -hmm. only joy left in my life. I know. You're so, you're such a good friend. I'm the best. (laughs) Once the Ottomans changed the name to Istanbul, they took over the spice trade and jacked up the prices even higher. So naturally, 
people began to wonder, what if we could sail to the Spice Islands instead? Hmm. Enter one Ferdinand Magellan. Mm, I'd love to. <laughs> oh, sorry. He was born in Portugal in 1480, and at about the same time Columbus was crossing the Atlantic, he went to work as a page in the royal court where he learned writing, math, horsemanship, martial arts, geometry, and navigation. I went to work as a page in the local truck stop. <laughs> you learned some martial arts there? No, I just inherited a nice blonde wig from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's weird, man. You, you never know people's preferences, but I made a lot more money going by page <laughs> than I ever did, Greg. Well, your page is with an I after the A. But yeah, I get it. No, it's the same thing, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, after serving as a page for a long time, in 1495, the king up and died. And his successor didn't trust Magellan so his prospects dried up for a little bit. It wasn't until 1505 that a 25-year-old Magellan joined up with the Portuguese fleet and headed for India. Over the following eight years, he would try to help set up a permanent Portuguese presence in India, but instead wound up fighting in multiple battles and suffering multiple wounds. Well, after that, Magellan booked it to Lisbon, where he hoped to help the Portuguese smack around the Moroccans who had stopped paying tribute to Portugal. It didn't go right for Magellan. First, his favorite horse was killed, and the government refused to reimburse him. Couldn't even write it off on his taxes. Fucking horseshit. Son of a bitch. Fucking just changing the tax code all the time so we don't understand what's happening, so you keep making money. It's fucking horse. It should be easy. Teachers spending three times the amount of money on school supplies than they're able to deduct. Yeah, it's horseshit. Probably was going on back then. I'm just, I'm guessing. <laughs> but it's fucking bullshit. Take advantage of people that want to do something good. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, shit. That's their calling. We ain't going to pay them fuck all. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Invest in charter schools, goddammit. Or get all of your education from your favorite history podcasts. Give us money. Give us money. Give us money. <laughs> well, after that, an Arabic dude smacked Magellan in the leg with a lance, shattered his knee, and left him with a lifelong limp. And from then on out, every time he met somebody new, he would say, I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took a lance to the knee. Mm, a Skyrim joke. Skyrim joke. Skyrim's what? Like 12 years old at this point. <laughs> yeah. Also, they make medication for that. Yeah? For the lifelong limp. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Viagra, Cialis. <laughs> there. There's a lot of them. No, no, yeah, totally. Uh, wife, we're going to have sex. We're going to have a baby. Just let me sneak off in the bathroom and give me 40 minutes afterwards, okay? <laughs> Just take some allergy pills. That's all I'm doing right now. My allergies are all crazy. <laughs> no, dude. You got to get the Viagra pill. You Crush it up mm -hmm. with, of course, a traditional mortar and pestle. Right. Like, come on. <laughs> what are you no, you're an alchemist. So you crush that up, and then you uh, put it in a spoon with a little bit of alcohol, and you heat it, and you mainline it. You put it in your veins, you fucking black tar 
Viagra. Baby, we have 45 minutes till this kicks in and 50 minutes till I fall asleep, so window of opportunity. No, not if you black car it. (laughs) It's instant. Oh, never mind. Your heart explodes at the same time. (laughs) But if you want a boner now, that's it. That's all it takes. Well, after he got his limp, the Portuguese government accused Magellan of stealing funds from the war effort. Eventually, he would be completely acquitted of this charge, but now he was just a sad, short, broke, middle-aged dude with a tarnished reputation. 100 Proof History. Shut up, Dan. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I thought you were gone. You just come back here just to do that shit to me, make me feel worse about myself. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. What a dick. So when he asked the king of Portugal three different times to be given a bunch of ships so that he could sail west across the Atlantic and find a route to the Spice Islands, it was no surprise that each time he was politely told to fuck right off. And so, in October of 1517, he did fuck off to Portugal's mortal enemy, Spain. He got married to the sister of a well-known aristocrat, knocked her up, and then used her family connections to approach King Charles V. Now Greg will do his version of the aristocrat's joke. Go ahead, Greg. Dad fucks his daughter. Son shits in dad's mouth. The aristocrats. (laughs) You son of a bitch, you did it. I watched that movie with my dad. It was not good. Like, I went and saw it in the theaters, like, this is hilarious, and I brought it home to my parents. Oh, my God, what was the fuck was I thinking? Jesus. I thought this was Aristocat. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this is disgusting. You really think it's funny? No, sir. No, I do not. Anyway, it was then that Magellan pitched the idea of sailing west to reach the Indies, which everyone knew were in the east. Naturally, he and King Charles were worried about violating the treaty with Portugal, that divided the world in half, but in those days, all they knew about the Pacific Ocean, which they called the Southern Sea, was only that it existed, and everyone thought it was much smaller than it actually is. So, it was easy for them to say that Spice Islands had to sit in Spanish territory. Magellan said, give me some ships and shit, and I'll sail over to South America, then down the East Coast, where I'm sure... I'll find a strait through the continent into the Pacific, or Southern Sea. I went to summer camp uh-huh. one time <laughs> that my parents sent me to. Uh-huh. Looking for strait, and I can tell you, as somebody that's gone looking, mm-hmm. a southern man mm-hmm. looking for southern strait, I didn't find it. <laughs> so, But I'm not a world-class explorer. That's I'm true. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. In this story... Maybe a different outcome. I'm not a professional, just an amateur that was trying to to find that. So let's hear (laughs) how a professional did. What would you give to find the straight? Is this Dan Carlin? Yes, that was my Dan Carlin. Introspective. Mm. I'm going to start the show with these these philosophical questions. Mm. But, you know, it's about sexuality, obviously. Whoa. (laughs) No, I mean, I I went to cartography summer camp. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, finding, yeah. Good enough. Okay. <laughs> Seem to be on different pages, so. Yeah, it's been a long I guess break. just 
Yeah. Continue the story. Now, the straight was just a theory of my... The theory of my parents. <laughs> Took a second. Again, cartography. Yes. No. <laughs> they want you to... They thought I would be good. The year 2004. They're like, go to cartography school. <laughs> Mom and Dad, everything's mapped. I don't understand what you're doing. No, no, I'm no, no. I'm not no, a no. satellite, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what we mean, son. <laughs> Well, that straight was just a theory of Magellan's in a time where people actually believed it when maps labeled parts of the ocean with, here, there be dragons. And then it was, imagine dragons. They're like, oh God, no, please don't make me go there. Oh, it's so <laughs> bad. Like, I don't know who listens to this shit, but Jesus Christ, don't make me do it. But Magellan's pitch worked, and Charles gave him five ships. Concepcion, Victoria, Santiago, San Antonio, and Magellan's flagship, Trinidad. Magellan was then made the captain general of the expedition, but since he was Portuguese, King Charles also hired a dude named Juan de Cartagena to serve as inspector general. Basically, this meant Juan was in charge of the commercial aspects of the voyage and would serve as the accountant, but he was also placed in charge of being the eyes and ears of the king on the trip. To Cartagena, it sounded a whole lot like he was the one who was really in charge. But you know what? I don't, I don't think that's going to cause any problems going forward. You know, if you have two guys that mm -mm, they're in charge, no. no big deal. They work it out. They yeah, work it out. They're going to figure this thing out. Yeah. Before they left, King Charles gave them some super important rules to follow. They were to be kind to any natives they met, but if they found any Arabs, they could take them as slaves. They weren't allowed to drink, gamble, commit blasphemy, use firearms against natives, or have sex with any natives. Now, of course, I wouldn't be listing off these rules for you if Magellan and his men didn't go on to break every single fucking one of them. It kind of reminds me a little bit, Greg, of the movie Gremlins, where like, hey, here's a list of rules. You can't do, you can't feed the thing. After midnight, can't get it wet, don't expose the direct sunlight. Like, okay, now I'm going to trust this to a 17-year-old boy. Like, bad shit's going to happen. Like, they just set that whole movie up for bad shit to happen. And the, the guy who sold it didn't explain the rules. This is America. You have to tell us why the fuck we can't do things. And then we defy you. Like, oh, this mask prevents the spread of disease. No, you can't tell me what to do. Don't muzzle me. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't explain it. He's like... Okay, here's this. Here's the rules. And the guy's like, okay, cool. Takes it home to his son. Fucks everything up. Gets a lot of people killed, man. That is true. Yep. Reference to a 1984 movie for our young listeners. Watch Gremlins. Get your shit together. Watch Gremlins. Because it's a fucking fantastic movie. Well, finally, on September 20th, 1519, Magellan, his five ships, and his 270 men left Spain. Their first stop was in the Canary Islands, which sit about 1,500 kilometers away off the western coast of northern Africa. Favorable winds got them there in six days, where Magellan added to his supply of livestock, wine, and hardtack, which is super dry bread made of flour and water. But two shitty things happened in the Canaries. First, the merchants of the Canary Islands lied about the quantity and quality of goods they sold Magellan, and then he received a letter telling him that the Portuguese were sending out an armada to capture him. 
Magellan knew that if he was captured, he'd be tortured and executed, and so his fleet left the Canaries in a hurry on October 3rd. Because he figured the Portuguese would follow him across the ocean towards South America, Magellan took a detour and sailed south along the coast of Africa towards the equator. His crew was super confused by this move, and some of them were even terrified because the course was uncharted and they were sure they'd fall off the earth or be eaten by some mermaids or some shit. You know, it's it's good that this kind of view is, has been left in antiquity. <laughs> right? You know? And that there's not people that still believe the earth is flat. <laughs> yeah, no, that never happens anymore. Legit Noah dude... At work, or maybe through work, doesn't work with me, mm-hmm. thinks the earth is flat. Like, he, he told me that, and I just didn't really engage. Like, I just got, like, this <laughs> wide-eyed kind of stare and just slowly rotated. Like, I was a ballerina on one of those little things, and you open it up and the music starts. I just rotated like that away and just like, holy shit. Yeah, but isn't that so hard to do? I'm proud of you because, man, that's... That's difficult when somebody says something so asinine and stupid. You're like, okay, here's all this documented fact, you know, scientific proof that you're a fucking moron. I've learned. Oh, I haven't. Because even if you engage, it's always moving the goalposts. Oh, that's true. But I spend all day on Twitter chasing those goalposts. Just, no, mother... January 6th and uh, flat earth and satellites and (laughs) vaccines and... I don't want to move your mask. Yeah. And there's just some guy on the other end laughing his ass off while I'm putting a gun in my mouth because I've given up hope on humanity. <laughs> People that typically believe in conspiracy theories, you know, if they believe in one, they kind of believe them all. 9-11 was fake. You know, JFK was assassinated by the U.S. government. You know, shit like that. But I don't know. To me, that's all hocus pocus. It's really stupid. Much like mask mandates, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's just a form of control. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. It stops the the particles going through, but my breath still goes through. I don't understand how it works. I can still breathe, but the virus can get through something. Okay. All right. Makes a whole lot of sense. Doesn't it? When you think about it. Oh, did you see the videos of the people cheering when it ended on the plane? Like in the middle of the flight, they're taking off their mask. What? Yeah. It didn't end yet. Oh, no. Yeah, you didn't see? Well, that was like in May. No. Like oh. two, two, three days ago, some activist judge struck it down, said that they don't have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. And she even said something like, it stops water droplets, but it doesn't stop the particles of the COVID. So what's the point? It was her scientific belief. One of the... Maybe because the... The virus is inside of those droplets? No, shut up. You don't oh, know. okay. You're not a scientist like this judge. Mm. So she she called it off, and then, like, mid-flight, like, airlines were getting on the the captain horn, like, all right, you guys can go ahead and take off those masks now, because we don't need them anymore. And, like, there are people cheering and singing songs, and meanwhile, this grandma with, like, stage four cancer is dying in the front of COVID, you know, getting the infection because her immune system shot, whatever. She ex- she knew what she got into. Yeah, it's all old people, so. Yeah, she knew when she bought that ticket that halfway through the flight, they were going to be like, fuck you, you don't have to wear the mask, everybody can just give you their AIDS through the air. She just goes and locks herself in one of the laboratories. <laughs> <laughs> and then she becomes the terrorist who gets added to the no-fly list. That's smart. 
Well, that's because she smoked a cigarette in there. <laughs> you see the old lady, so of course it was little Virginia Slim in like a cigarette holder, so it was like three feet long. long things. <laughs> she had a dead fox draped around her neck while she was yeah, doing Yeah, she it. still sees herself as an Audrey Hepburn type. Well, she is, but she's, you know, on Golden Pond, shaky head Audrey Hepburn because she has Parkinson's. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't agree with uh, yet another ageist statement by Christopher. Well, apologies to all of our octogenarian listeners who understood the Audrey Hepburn jokes we just made. Oh, so just because we don't have any Cuban listeners, you know, what what would you say about them? Hmm? I, uh, you know, I would say the same thing I say about all Cuban Americans. I really like their sandwiches and their cigars and... uh, No, these are Cuban Cubans. No, just straight Cubans. Yeah, not Cuban-Americans. Oh, whatever. There's an embargo. They can hear this shit. Those guys are the worst. I thought the embargo was lifted. No, Trump put it back on. (laughs) Please continue your story. Okay. Well, to add to the woes on the ship, they were all freaked out about going south down Africa's coast when the captains of the other ships, including Juan de Cartagena, asked what the fuck was up Magellan told him he was in charge and to do whatever the fuck he told them to do. It's a bad management strategy, man. You can't do that. As they sailed south, they endured 60 consecutive days of storms and rough seas, and the food supply ran so low that Magellan put everyone on a diet of four pints of water, two pints of wine, and a pound and a half of hardtack a day. Once again, when he was asked why he was limiting the food, Magellan told everyone to shut the fuck up, and do whatever the fuck he told them to do. I like that, you know? He's the boss. Well, I, you know, I have subordinates, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I have this same sort of strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a fucking hard-nosed, let's get down to business, do your fucking job, answer to me, do what I fucking tell you to do. And I think they all love it. You know, yeah. it gives them <laughs> some structure. Go, You can go ask them. Well, hey, you know, how's it work for him? And they're like, it's, yeah, it's, it's nice. And they're like looking at me in the, like the corner of the room, and I'm just giving them a little nod, <laughs> the furled brow. I'm like, yes, yes, you tell them. Because they know if they say otherwise, <laughs> that's when the beating stick comes out. They hand that person a little... Jim Jones-esque Jonestown note that says, please get me the fuck out of here. (laughs) They're watching us. No, they wouldn't do that. No, never? Okay. I only hire people that do not know how to write for that exact reason. (laughs) I've learned a lot from this podcast. Well, see, I have the opposite management strategy because I am also in middle management, as you know. And I have the Tony Danza, who's the boss strategy like you never know who's in charge when i'm around you know because it's just like what do you guys want to do you know we're having a good time Mm -hmm. (laughs) every day is undercover boss you're right (laughs) deep undercover like are they ever gonna hire somebody to do that fucking job man uh, (laughs) this place sucks right right (laughs) the boss we've never met he's a fucking asshole isn't he yeah, I agree. You're fucking fired. <laughs> no, as soon as they but, say something But I've mean, never met you as a boss. <laughs> I've never met the boss. <laughs> no, as soon as they say something mean about the boss, I just start bawling my eyes out. And <laughs> I only want to be liked. <laughs> I'm trying my best. You guys ever seen Ted Lasso? I want to be Ted Lasso. 
Ooh. Little known fact. As the fleet was sailing south along the coast of West Africa and were being ravaged by storms, the crew was on the verge of mutiny until they witnessed a phenomenon known as St. Elmo's Fire. This occurs when there's a lot of static electricity in the air and it looks as if bolts of lightning are firing off of a ship's masts up into the air. Even though that sounds terrifying, the crew took it as a blessing from God and a message that they should continue to follow Magellan. And this is a thing. Like, the storms off the western coast of Africa are really, really bad. That's why you gotta bless the rains in Africa. I'm sorry. Continue. Hmm. Toto song. Okay. Uh, no, but, like, West Africa and going around the Cape, like, storms that will last for days and days and days. So, it's a very bad area for ship-faring vessels. Speaking of bad areas, I once had a, a, an Italian restaurant in a bad area. And this ties in the story because this little red puppet showed up one day and he says, I can take care of that for you. And he torched the building. And uh, his name was Elmo. He called it St. Elmo's Fire. And uh, I got that insurance money out of the deal. Worked out great for everybody. Victimless crime, Greg. Fucking hilarious, Chris. Good job. <laughs> insurance fraud. On the joke. Thank you. I think you should save that as a sound clip and just put that in randomly after jokes I tell. <laughs> like one episode, that's all it is. Every time I tell a joke, fucking hilarious. <laughs> but like joke number 20, everybody's like, what the fuck is happening? Why does he hate him so much? <laughs> they soon reached the equator in calm waters, at which point another crisis arose. One of the leaders on the Victoria, a dude named Antonio Salomon, have been caught having sex with a cabin boy. Hmm. They weren't bothered so much by the young age of the cabin boy, so much as the homosexuality, which was punishable by death in Spain during that time. The young, legal age of the cabin boy. Yes, the young, barely legal age of the cabin boy. Yes, he was 18 years old in one day. <laughs> very legal, very cool. Whatever happened to that? Barely legal used to be like the keyword in like 1998 digital porn as it loads one line by one line. You're like, yes. I don't know. It was creepy as fuck then <laughs> as it is now. I guess barely legal's turned into step whatever. Mm hmm. That's the transition. You just mm, need to be porn. this much dirty. Just, a, just, uh, oh, that's not right. Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Can't just be. Two consenting adults with <laughs> right. no familial relationships that aren't in relationships with other people. No, 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 no. Somebody's cheating or there's incest going on? I want that to be the Pornhub title. I want you two consenting adults who are in a consensual relationship having uh, consensual sex with oh, each other. That's boring. No familial relationship. It would just be missionary, a few yeah. sh short strokes, and then it would end. Like in the middle of it, you're in. Mommy, are you okay? Go away! Get out! I don't know, even that's got a naughty side to it. <laughs> I want a long-term relationship, married, no kids. Like, it's scheduled. It's Wednesday night. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday night after the reruns of Scrubs. Yeah. Every like, Wednesday. Okay. okay, you ready for this? Thrust, thrust, thrust. <clears throat> and they kiss and 
And unlike the movies, you know, she gets up to pee so she doesn't get a UTI. Yeah. Like, all right, good night. Let's go. You make the bed. I'm going to go brush my teeth real quick, wash my face. Why? You didn't even go down on me. Well, uh, I was was in that area. I'm not going to put my mouth on that thing. I'm not trying to impress you anymore. Yeah. Is this our anniversary? (laughs) That's hot. That's hot. (laughs) Now... Homosexuality happened all the time on long voyages, and it would most likely happen again later on Magellan's expedition, but he decided to make an example out of these guys. So he decided that Solomon would be executed by strangulation. More like autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just finish the job. Um, but he also decided that the execution would happen in, you know, like three weeks. They landed in South America, which is, it just got to suck for that guy because what's his mindset at that point? Like, do I work hard and think it would save my job or just like slack off and not do shit because I'm going to die in three weeks anyways? You know, we really kind of need the labor right now. My ex-wife, um, you know, we were expecting a baby, right? Having a baby, you know, doing the the parent thing after getting married. She was due in, uh, shit, it was like a couple weeks. She was going to be executed by strangulation, but in three weeks. Because I needed the labor. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I killed her for cheating on me. It had nothing to do with her being pregnant. And it actually happened a week before she was due, so. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Can't wait to be a father one day, though. (laughs) Following the sentencing of Salomon, the captains of the five ships held a meeting. It was super tense, and finally Cartagena accused Magellan of risking the king's ships and, you know, just being kind of a dickhole and said he wouldn't take orders from Magellan anymore. Magellan, you know, he was a shitty boss, but he, he was savvy, and he knew this was coming. So he gave a signal, and his men stormed in the room and arrested Cartagena. And that signal was, Get in here, fellows. Whoa. Because that's, that's how uh, Portuguese men talked during that time. Okay. <laughs> Historically accurate. That's good to know. Just always operatic. Uh-huh. I'm going to strangle you for having sex with the young boy. Oh. Operatic the... and tone deaf. Yes. Very. <laughs> and a guy who can't hit high notes for extended periods of time, obviously. Oh, well, you just stayed in the falsetto there. You made your home in it. <laughs> As he was being bound, Cartagena ordered the two other Spanish captains to stab Magellan with their daggers. But they refused to do so. Even though he could have had Cartagena executed, Magellan realized that the Spaniard had some powerful friends and simply had him removed from command of the San Antonio. The fleet soon turned westward and rode the winds to Brazil where they arrived on December 13, 1519. The area around the Rio de Janeiro River had been suffering a drought which ended right as Magellan's fleet was arriving. The natives there took this as a sign that the ships had come from heaven and had brought the rains with them. From Africa. Yes. (laughs) And you have to look at their perspective a little bit here too because... You know, they've never seen anything like these boats, and then, like, tiny boats are coming out of those boats. They think those boats, the big boats' babies. 
Like, look at all these angels arriving from heaven. Like, of course, you know, they're going to be amazed by what they're seeing. And then, like, the guy gets off the boat, and it's like, oh, my mm. God, another baby. And then he pulls out a little hand with googly <laughs> eyes and a lipstick and a little uh, buccaneer hat on it. And like, hey, guys, let me see them big juicy hogs of yours. And they're like, oh, my God. You're fucking hand bone, you know, he, he's everywhere. In time and space. They start bringing actual pigs to the beach. Like, no, no, you stupid motherfuckers. That's not a man. I want to see your big penises. (laughs) How much more clear can I get? (laughs) As soon as the ships came close to land and anchored, a whole lot of naked women swam out to greet them. Hmm. Hell yeah. Only reason to be a sailor in those days. Oh, yeah. You get on the beach, you're like, hey. Hell yeah. Man, you're you're very beautiful. You have a boyfriend? I bet he's pretty good looking. You mind introducing us? Like, I don't know. I feel like we could all be friends. You know, maybe you could make us a sandwich while we, we talked a little in your bedroom. I don't know. <laughs> you know, just take your time. You don't want him getting skin cancer. I brought a lot of sunscreen lotion with me. You know, I take care of his skin. And I'll make sure even if he's, you know, uh, sunbathing nude, he's not going to get any cancer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Go below the belt on him. I'm sorry, don't tell the counselor of the boat, please. (laughs) Please don't tell Magellan what I'm saying to you right now. He's my straight camp counselor. Just please don't tell him. (laughs) The whole cruise is just a scared straight (laughs) expedition. Mm. Well, the sailors soon found out that the women were for sale, paid their fathers with German knives, the old German steel. The men, who were strictly forbidden from having sex with the natives, then had a massive orgy on the beaches with the women, you know, the natives of Brazil. Yuck. (laughs) Sandy. That's why I'm saying yuck. I mean, yeah, love women, but. Yeah. No, all sand. Yeah, sand everywhere. It's coarse and rough, and I hate it. Magellan allegedly didn't partake in the orgy, and instead spent his time focusing on repairing his ships, which were rotting due to woodworms, and bartering for food and supplies with the natives by trading them bells and fish hooks for fish, fruit, and geese. On December 20th, Antonio Solomon was finally strangled to death by an anonymous hooded executioner who called himself Schmagellan, and he had a raging erection the whole time it happened. I think it was Schmambone. <laughs> just a tiny hood. <laughs> just choked himself to death. As for the cabin boy he had slept with, he was either thrown overboard to drown, or he suffered such ridicule and shame that he threw himself overboard to commit suicide. After celebrating Christmas in Brazil... The crew once again set sail with canoes filled with native women following them, tearfully pleading with the men to stay there forever. Well, none of those men stayed, but who could have blamed them if they had wanted to? Life on a ship at sea sucked ass. Sleep was almost impossible, with most men sleeping on deck on a bed of straw in a futile effort to avoid the smell of body odor, rotting food, livestock, and salted fish that filled the ship's interior. Every ship was infested with lice, bedbugs, cockroaches, and rats who used the ship's supply of hardtack as their little rat toilets. 
<laughs> That's cute. It's kind of adorable. Imagine little rats and little rat toilets. <laughs> it's funny. And if the men themselves wanted to use the bathroom, they had to piss off the side of the boat into the wind or precariously sit on a wooden swing that hung over the ocean and they had to wipe their ass with a shared rope. And uh, as you're aware, Greg, I'm currently living in a multi-felon boarding home, you know, halfway house, as some people call it. And uh, life's very similar to this. Ducking all the vermin, pissing off the side of the house into the street, and the wind's always blowing it back in my face, shitting on a rope, wiping my ass with it. They've asked me to stop doing that, but... <laughs> hey, John, John, you got the rope? Quit hogging the rope! <laughs> supposed to stay in the bathroom. That's how most of the fights start in this place, is just over the, the poop rope. They don't want anybody leaving the water on, so yeah. every morning they fill the bathtub up with water, and that's what you got to wash the rope off in for the next 24 hours. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> it's hard living out there. You walk in there, and one guy's got the rope shoved up his ass, like literally up there, and you're like, what are you doing, man? He's like, well, I thought this was what this was for. It's just, covered in shit. Just, I got to go. Let me just borrow the end of it. You can keep it there. <laughs> it's not your rope doesn't have your name on it. Jesus Christ. You got to share that with everybody. It's okay to borrow it, though, when it's still, you know, in there. <laughs> I mean, it's only a 10-inch rope, but. <laughs> it's like the scene from Requiem for a Dream, and it's just mm -hmm. some old guy's sitting in there with you. Some old guy you've never seen before, and he's, like, waving money at you, like, ass to ass. You're like, Okay, sir. Okay. Just want to... He's got a three-piece suit on for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I thought I paid my debt to society. Oh, God. <laughs> well, despite these hardships, the men pressed on south along the eastern coast of South America, looking for the strait that Magellan was super sure was there. Just kept telling him, guys, stick with me. Listen to me. You're going to be... We're going to find that strait any day. Love of Jesus Christ. Going to cure you. Every time they reached a river or a large bay, they'd spend a day or two exploring it before realizing it didn't run all the way across the continent. Don't call it a large bay. Call it a large betterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're you're a trained counselor, Mr. Magellan. You just seem to be like coming up with things on the fly here. Don't say fly like you lowered your zipper. And exposed your penis. <laughs> Say fly. Like, that girl is really fly. <laughs> All along the way, the expedition endured constant storms and bitterly cold temperatures. Finally, in the early months of 1520, Magellan decided to anchor the ships and wait out the winter in a bay that he named Port St. Julian. They spent the following few months working to avoid death by exposure or by starvation. Well, it turns out, other than the beach orgy they'd had with some hot Brazilians, it had actually been a really tough and shitty journey. And once again, the men were getting sick of Magellan's shit. On Easter Sunday, April 1st, 1520, the crews decided to plan another mutiny and were once again led by Juan de Cartagena. That night, Cartagena and 30 men snuck aboard the San Antonio and attacked the captain. They stabbed him multiple times and left him for dead, 
but he would linger and suffer for three fucking months before succumbing to his wounds. The Spanish captains of the Concepcion and the Victoria soon defected too, leaving Magellan with only his ship, the Trinidad, and the Santiago, which remained neutral under her captain, Juan Serrano, who was named that because of his pepper-shaped penis that was spicy. A little thin pepper. <laughs> yeah, just a tiny you know. pepper. <laughs> but so spicy. Hey, it may be short, but at least it's skinny. <laughs> Battle lines had been drawn between the men who wished to continue the journey and remain loyal to the Captain General Magellan and those who wanted to just go back home to Spain. Magellan knew that if he returned to Spain empty-handed, he'd be imprisoned and executed, and even though the mutineers greatly outnumbered him, if he wanted the glory he sought, he was going to have to stand his ground, just like Union General Joshua Chamberlain, who saved the day at Gettysburg and then turned away an uprising at the main state courthouse during elections. And that's only a story, Greg, that you can hear on the Patreon. Ooh. Yeah. It's just $3 a month, guys. Oh, and boys. And boys. (laughs) $3 a month, you get access to all of those old hangovers. There's 42 of them. Plus all the episodes that are not available to you. 49 in total. Plus, there's some vids. We're actually uh, releasing a little Patreon exclusive next week to kick off the next episode. So, please join. We'd love to see you there. Especially if you have sultry pics of your dad that he wouldn't mind you sharing. (laughs) Some Polaroids you found under the mattress. Chris told me I couldn't say the other thing that I was going to say. So (laughs) Legally, so. Yeah. I'm going with that one. (laughs) <laughs> just because i i work out and i like to compare myself to yeah gains and stuff yeah yeah not like not sexual reasons you want to compare what he looks like in a maid's outfit to what you look like in a maid's outfit and you can't just do that it's not an option like you can't just ask somebody to show you what they look like in a maid's outfit you have to get their son to show you pictures of them we all yeah. know how this works come that on that would be weird otherwise yeah yes of course all right all right well let's take a break now that we've done an ad let's take a break where there are no ads because we love you We are back from break. You know, I had a good one. Greg, I think you had a good one. Just looking at your face. Just your your glowing face. So either you had a good break or you're pregnant, but either way, you look amazing. Both. Thank you. <laughs> oh, awesome. But uh, listener, I hope you had a good break. I think you did too. I think you enjoyed it. You're like, oh, there were no ads in that break. That's crazy. You know, it's just so short and it just... We just shot right through it, and here we are on the other side. And uh, you know what? I thank you for sticking with us and just enjoying this ride that we call life. I'm sorry. I'm getting introspective, and I'm I'm starting to tear up a little. So before we uh, really start evaluating where our lives are, how about we just have what we call second half seltzer? Second half seltzer. 
Checking out Salsa. Checking out Salsa. Three, two, one. Pop your tops, fellas. All right, now that that's out of the way, I feel like there's probably still like half of this journey across the world that we need to hear about. And there's only one man who has the skill, the panache, the, the pure sexuality to tell you this story. And I think that is the main host, Gregory. Hello. <laughs> All right, take it. Take us home. You're right, Chris. Um, We are halfway through the story. We're halfway around the globe. And as everybody knows, Magellan circumcises the globe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, he gets close. (laughs) He gets close. He doesn't quite go the whole way around. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a spoiler. I feel like you're... You're spoiling well, the story. Nobody bit. knows why. <laughs> nobody knows why the circumcision fails. <laughs> so my doctor said. I've just got this flap. <laughs> it's fully healed. It's just like a little gristle off a piece of steak. <laughs> Grows a hair thatch of its own and everything. It's really weird. It's got its own mouth, talks to me, says, Quaid, start the reactor. Like, Shut up. I'm trying to talk to a girl right now. <laughs> There's more important things at hand. <laughs> no, there's not. No, there's not. <laughs> this chick has three boobs. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, total recall joke. Mm-hmm. All right. The good version with Colin Farrell. Obviously. They made a remake of that movie with Colin Farrell. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, back to our story of failed circumcision. Mm-hmm. On Easter Sunday, 1520, as Magellan was facing mass mutiny, the longboat of the Concepcion helplessly drifted towards Magellan's flagship, the Trinidad. The men aboard the longboat were captured and expected death by torture, but instead Magellan offered them a feast and got them drunk. They were so grateful that they immediately snitched on Juan de Cartagena and gave up the details of his entire plan. Acting quickly, Magellan had his loyal men dress up as sailors from the Victoria and sent them over to that ship in a longboat. When they arrived, they gave the captain, Luis Mendoza, a letter demanding his surrender. He laughed heartily, crumpled up the letter, and tossed it into the sea and said, quote, What are you going to do? Stab me in the head and neck? At which point Magellan's men stabbed him in the fucking head and neck. You know you fucked up when you get stabbed in the head. <laughs> like, there's a lot of bone there. That's that a is lot. the potential, like, when you're doing stabby motions for you to go over the hilt and cut your own hand because of the bone. So when people are doing it in the head, they really fucking hate you. They mean it. They mean it 100%. Yes. The remaining crew of the ship then immediately surrendered. Magellan then had his men sneak over to the Concepcion under the cover of darkness and cut her anchor line. The ship floated directly towards the Trinidad, where Magellan and his men quickly opened fire on the crew, boarded the ship, and captured the captain, Gaspar Casada. 
Seeing that it was all hopeless, Juan Cartagena surrendered himself in the San Antonio. Magellan had started the day with two ships facing three, a vast minority in manpower, and he ended up with all five ships and their crews back in his control. The body of Luis Mendoza was drawn and quartered and placed on display for the mutineers to see for the following four months. <laughs> it's fine. It's a long it's not, time. Not like they're in a tropic climate where the moisture will make it rot faster and, you know, it's just disgusting smell. Hopefully they just made it, like, not smell faster. <laughs> Drained it of all fluid. Oh, God. And if you want to know what happens when you're drawn and quartered, maybe... Subscribe to Patreon and listen to episode 8, 103 episodes ago, when we talked about old William Wallace of Scotland, who got drawn and quartered. Was that that long ago? So long ago. Back when Hambone was just a twinkle in our eye. <laughs> so cute. So precious. Such a little baby hand. Yeah. Had a rattle. Even though he's thousands of years old. <laughs> he can travel through a time rattle. and space. <laughs> Sucking on my nipple when I was a kid. (laughs) Well, Magellan sentenced Caseta and his servant, Luis de Molino, to death. But when no one would volunteer to be the executioner, he offered to spare Molino's life if he would kill Caseta. Molino agreed and used a sword to behead him, but he at least asked Caseta for forgiveness before doing so. (laughs) Sorry, boss. I don't really want to do this. But you remember that fucking time you made work on Saturday? <laughs> I, I don't want to do this, but I'm, I just want you to know I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm very sorry about this. Is that so if you okay? could be a forgiving Christian man, I would appreciate it. It would probably do you some favors with God. You're dying either way. Okay. Caseta's body was also drawn and quartered and also left on display. The man who had started it all. Juan Cartagena was found guilty of mutiny and was left marooned in Port St. Julian with a priest with whom he had conspired. And just like the dude they strangled and said, hey, in three weeks we're going to do this, it was kind of the same thing. You're like, uh, when we leave, you have to stay, but we're not leaving for a few months. So if you could kind of like carry your weight and pitch in, uh, maybe we'd reduce your sin. I don't know. We'll just see what happens, guy. Yep. with the mutiny contained it was time to get on with exploring the coast of south america magellan ordered juan serrano to take the santiago down the coast to try and find a strait after some sailing serrano found the santa cruz river which was nicer than port st julian and had an abundance of sea elephants to hunt and eat serrano decided to sail back to share the good news but on May 22nd, a rough storm tore the Santiago to pieces. All 37 crew members survived, but they were stranded without any food or supplies. Two of them walked back to Magellan in Port St. Julian, at which point he launched a rescue operation. The men were saved, but food was dwindling. Luckily, the expedition then encountered some natives that they referred to as giants. It's probably because the Spaniards and Portuguese were Kind of super short dudes. Magellan himself was only 5'5 five five at most. What a fucking towering Portuguese man. He walks around Portugal and they're like, how's the weather up there, Magellan? He's like, Shut up, you fucking assholes. I get it. I get it every fucking time. 
Hey, Magellan, uh, you play basketball or? <laughs> well, these giants helped the men of the expedition, and in return, Magellan captured two of them to bring back as prizes for the king, who had explicitly told Magellan to treat the natives well. <laughs> uh, hey, you guys are now my slaves. I'm bringing you back so I can show you how well I treated you, okay? No, 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 fuck your family. They'll be here when you get back in 30 years. God damn it. <laughs> You remember 2020 when Kyrie Irving dominated us in Olympics? Well, get ready for this shit, King Charles. Look at these fucking giants. I got your center. I got your point guard. We are set. We're going to do this. Basketball joke. Because they're tall. It's the same joke you just made, but I just turned it around on the, the giant. You made it very specific and limited to a certain audience. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nailed it. It's how I do. Have you not listened to this fucking podcast? <laughs> Here's an ALF joke, guys, for the six of you who watched ALF. Here it goes. <laughs> yeah. That shit was too old for me. <laughs> In August, Magellan had enough of Port St. Julian and decided to risk the rough seas to continue on. After a scant six-week pit stop at the Santa Cruz River, the expedition continued south. On October 21st, 1520, Magellan reached a large cape that, in honor of our listeners, he named the Cape of the Eleven Thousand Virgins. Based on the width and depth of the cape, he correctly guessed that he had found his strait. Pulled into it, he's like, holy shit, this is like throwing a hot dog down a hallway, am I right, fellas? <laughs> Guys? High fives? A, f- a, a vagina hallway. Because <laughs> yeah, it's get, a strait. Get it? Oh, yeah. It's not a butt. <laughs> Guys, get your minds on... Being straight, please. Your parents paid a lot of money for that trip. <laughs> I, I think I got something that'll help this. He hits play on the old boombox. Fuck the gay way. Fuck the gay way. <laughs> no! 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 <laughs> he throws it overboard. That's not what you're supposed to hear. <laughs> Fuck the gay away. <laughs> yeah. It's. I know. It's weird. Yeah, that's uh, upsetting, almost. Hmm. He had that on his boombox. Yeah. And, you know, it's a scared straight charter cruise. Yeah. You would never expect one of the counselors to actually be homosexual. That is shocking that they got up there and preached about their life experience, about how this cruise worked for them. And now they take young boys on cruises, similar to the one they went on. You know, it's, And fist them. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that is equally as shocking. (laughs) Well, it turns out the strait was a 350-mile-long winding maze that remains to this day incredibly difficult to navigate due to storms, unpredictable winds and currents, the narrowness of the straits and parts, and the depths of it which make it hard to safely anchor boats. Along the way... Magellan ordered the San Antonio and the Concepcion to do a little scouting and return after four days. After six, the San Antonio had not returned. Magellan feared they had sunk, but it was actually worse for him. The captain had been stabbed by the ship's pilot, Esteveo Gomez, who then took command of the San Antonio and sailed her right back to Spain to tell the king how shitty of a leader Magellan was. Fucking tattletale little bitch. Right? It's like the end of Ferris Bueller, where he's just racing, jump through all those trampolines. 
except in this case, he's going the opposite direction and the cars are driving and they get home safely and they're like, you will not believe what this fucker's been up to all day. <laughs> well, I mean, in Gomez's defense, this journey has been just complete shit up until this point. Yeah, they got to bone some Brazilian chicks on the beach, but other than that, it's been constant, you know, just sailing in the wrong direction, running out of food. You know, it's been a really shitty journey. You're like, no, nah, you know what? Enough of this. I got the ship. I'm going home, baby. Yeah, but you're talking about the guy that circumcises the globe. You got to rule with the fucking <laughs> iron fist. You know, like, you go back to the 1520s and see if your cuck-style leadership would work on these men. They'd eat you alive. No, nah, I'd be fine. You know, hey, guys, you know what? What are you it's feeling me, like? It's me, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> your buddy. <laughs> yeah. You'd be fucked. I was thinking maybe we can keep going through the strait, across the Pacific Ocean, maybe find some spy sounds. You know, you just have a good time with it. You know, it's just work doesn't have to be work. That's all I'm saying, right? Um, I brought donuts this morning, uh, some bagels for the guys who don't eat donuts. They're, you know, Your men would food. transform so quickly. All of a sudden, you'd come out, they'd have peg legs, swashbuckler hats, <laughs> yeah. eye patches, and fucking parrots. And you're like, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is not going to work out for me. On hand. (laughs) I come out, and they're all sitting in a huddle. They look at me. There he is, fuck. (laughs) He came out. All right, well, I guess it's go time, fellas. What's go time, fellas? Oh, my God! (laughs) Where'd you get a scimitar? (laughs) Where'd that parrot come from? That's fucking crazy. (laughs) And it's a canary. We're close to the Canary Islands, you fucking idiot. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing, fellas. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Why am I now talking like a pirate? <laughs> oh, just go with the crowd. <laughs> or the pirate winds are amongst us. <laughs> anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> if anybody gets that call back, I'll be very impressed. Yeah? I'm, I don't think Chris even got it. Well, undeterred, Magellan pressed on. After 38 days of sailing, the fleet had navigated the strait and had reached what they called Cape Desire, which opened to the Pacific Ocean. They called it Cape Desire because they had gone all the way through that strait. They reached the end of it, and they're just looking around. There's a bunch of oily, sweaty, The strait's over. Men, yeah, you know? Oh, God. Like, oh, Salomon died for our sins. That's what just happened here. We're gonna We're gonna take advantage of the Cape Desire. Captain, we're going below deck to uh discuss how straight you made us. We'll see you later. <laughs> so, yeah. That's accurate, historically. Yes. yes that's hundred percent what happened. Read a book, people. Now, they were in completely unknown territory, and they had no clue how big the Pacific Ocean really was at all. After sailing up the west coast of South America to just about where Santiago, Chile is today, Magellan turned west into the uncharted ocean. For the crew, life got really shitty, really fast. The meat they had harvested from seals and sea elephants began to rot and became infested with maggots, which went on to eat holes in the sails, rigging, and even the sailors' clothing. You know, it's like, these maggots are eating clothes... Mm-hmm. Leaving oily residue. <laughs> Some maggots were in a share cover band and had a disco ball. <laughs> Little known fact, 
the Westboro Baptist Church had a ship that would pull up alongside and hold up signs that said, God hates mags. (laughs) Bigots have existed throughout time, Chris. All the way from Kansas. Just hopped on a boat and found this random boat in the ocean. Well, they're a much larger organization back then. (laughs) One guy steps out on deck, and Magellan looks at him and is like, What are you wearing? Well, it seems these maggots have eaten my pants into fishnet stockings. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they don't care about that guy. They, But the maggots. Yeah. They care about the infestation of flies. Yeah, God, God hates those things. And then nowadays, they're, they have gotten much worse. <laughs> much, much worse. Extreme bigots to their fellow man these days. Mm-hmm. Not just the, the larva Back then it was just the larva flies. of bugs, yeah. Yeah. Now I just picture these guys back in Kansas screaming at caterpillars, God hates you! What are you doing? That's what they do. They'll do it at like caterpillar funerals and shit. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Up. You know better than God? You're just gonna change into a beautiful butterfly? No! It's bullshit. Yeah. Just cause you're sitting there in that coffin... Like, sir, sir, he's in a cocoon. He's about to come back. Fuck. (laughs) Back to just as historically accurate things as I just said. Mm -hmm. The hardtack biscuits became infested with worms, and they stank of rat urine. But the rats were seen as a blessing, and the men ate as many as they could because they believed the rats protected them from scurvy. Scurvy was the biggest danger to the men of the expedition, and they had no idea what caused it. One by one, the men began to suffer from swollen and bleeding gums, painful and tired limbs, painful boils, exhaustion, infection, and then death. But, even if they were suffering from the disease and refused to get out of bed, they'd have a boatswain to motivate them by beating the shit out of them with a whip. Magellan took a northwesterly course through the Pacific, which turned out to be a mistake. Instead of running into several chains of islands, he sailed north of them and lost several opportunities to resupply his men. As a result, the fleet sailed for 98 days before finally reaching land on what is now known as Guam in March of 1521. In that time span, 29 of the 166 men who had sailed with Magellan across the Pacific, died of scurvy. It's just one less sexy mouth to feed. As they approached Guam, the natives, known as Shamaros, raced out to meet them in their canoes. Fearing nothing, the natives climbed aboard the ships and began to steal everything that wasn't nailed down. You know, it's like, they're in, then they're out, before anybody notices. Jump on, steal shit before anybody looks. They're gone. Gone like the wind, like a little phantom of the opera, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So it reminds me, pre-COVID, I'd go to a lot of concerts with my friends. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, go to like Metallica, Little Iron Maiden, Mm -hmm. uh, some Bieber, some Megadeth, you know? Yeah. One thing that I always like to do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I make a little piss balloon. (laughs) Okay. Like a water balloon. Uh-huh. Put a little piss balloon, I tie it off. Yeah. And I throw it at the biggest dude there. <laughs> but as it's in the air, 
I'm I'm walking away. Just nonchalant. That way people can't point me out. Nonchalant. Smacks the big dude right in his face. He turns around, <laughs> of course, pissed off. And I got pissed my friend on. group there. That's right, pissed on. Thank you. Uh, but I got my friend group there, and they're all just like mouth agape, like, what the fuck was that? But that's all he sees. Because I'm already <laughs> headed towards the exit. Gone. <laughs> he gets over there, he's so pissed. Everybody gets into a big old fight. All my friend group gets beat up. I get away scot-free. <laughs> over there jerking off in the corner. Good old piss balloons. <laughs> Look at that. Hell yeah. It's my fetish too. It's fine. Oh. Well, eventually a boat swain slapped one of the Chamados, who slapped him back, which prompted the boat swain to stab the man in the back with a little, small, tiny paring knife. Oh, yeah? Oh, wait. It was a machete! <laughs> a machete! God. Was there anything cooler? I know I'm a little bit older than you, but was there anything cooler when you were a kid than the fucking machete? It was so badass. That Dude, was what Jason carried. That was, you know. Jesse Ventura had it. And yeah. Fucking Predator. But how do you even stab somebody with a machete? It's more probably more of a slash. It's for slicing. Yeah. Through weeds. Well, you know. You gotta you really we- fucking hate somebody to stab them with it. We all have those friends. You go over to their house and they're using the... They have this big butcher block full of knives and they're using the wrong knife for the wrong thing. You know, they're cutting a piece of bread with a little paring knife. You're like, what are you doing with your fucking life? Who taught you how to do this? But you don't want to say anything because you're at their house. That's kind of how this was. You know, he stabbed the Chamorro in the back with a machete. He's like, dude, that should have been a dagger. What the fuck? But he didn't want to say that because he was a guest on the boat. Oh, okay. It's politeness. Okay, I got you. Well, the Chamados fled taking Magellan's personal dinghy with him. In response, Magellan had 40 men row to the island, steal back his boat, and burn down the Chamado's houses. Hmm. Seems like he was told by the king not to uh, be violent towards the natives. Well, you know, I'm sure that they learned their lesson. They're like, oh shit, sorry to steal your dinghy. Yeah. We will no longer fuck with you, right? Right. In the process, seven of the native islanders, who were offering absolutely no resistance, they were killed. Oh, fuck. But still, you know, turn the other cheek. We stole the dinghy. All of our homes, seven of our tribe's members are gone. Kill my father. It's fine. He had it coming. Even Stevens. Okay? Even Stevens. Yep. And I'm sure that's the last time he'll have any problem with natives. I mean, they stole his boat, so... Magellan quickly lifted anchor and ordered the fleet to sail westward. This reminds me, it's like when you're on a a coke bender. Mm-hmm. As we all have been, yes. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe not, but more maybe than maybe not, you uh, strangle a prostitute in the bathroom of a truck stop. Yes, very common. And yes. then you come to your senses and you're like, Fuck, oh fuck, we gotta go! I-10 West, go now. Go (laughs) now. No, 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 don't look around. Just keep looking at me. Pretend to laugh. Pretend to laugh. (laughs) We're gonna fucking leave now! That's what it reminds me of, like, when they 
do all this shit on that island. It's like, oh my god, what have we done? <laughs> Let's go. fucking go. Yeah, but it's a little different, and I'm sure you can relate, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate because you've been in that scenario, like you you strangled the prostitute in the bathroom of the truck stop, but then somebody else walks in, and you're like, fuck, now I gotta wash my hands. They're gonna judge me. And you're like, look at this fucking asshole leaving out here without washing his hands after using the bathroom. So it caught, it you know creates some social anxiety too, which I think. I think it, like, compounds upon the stress of the situation where you've murdered a prostitute and have to flee the state. But also now you have to wash your hands. And you gotta use those hand dryers, and they suck, because they're like, and they don't actually dry your hands. You still gotta wipe them on your pants. It's, it's a whole thing at that point. My whole point is, washing your hands is the worst part about murdering a hooker. No, no, I, I completely understand. thought I was alone on that island. After ten days, the fleet reached the Philippines, where they met more natives. But this time, it went pretty okay, even though Magellan greeted them by saluting them with cannon fire, which, again, directly disobeyed the orders from King Charles not to use firearms against the natives. They soon arrived on the island of Limasawa, where Magellan's slave Enrique mm, was able to communicate with the locals in the language of Malay. The two sides hit it off, traded some goods, and Magellan even became blood brothers with the ruler of the island in a ritual that involved slicing open their chests, mixing their blood in a vessel with wine, and then each of them drinking half of it. Very disgusting that they, uh, they mixed it with wine. Why don't you just drink the blood like a normal blood brother situation like me and you did when we formed this podcast? And mix it with wine. <laughs> the girls. And it was Moscato. That's a weird thing. <laughs> it didn't even look like blood, you know? Yeah. At that point, come on, you're just drinking sugar water. It was a Moscato over ice in a plastic cup. Like, <laughs> okay. Plastic cup that said wine mom on the side. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're blood brothers. Okay. <laughs> Magellan inquired about their religious beliefs, and they said they worship nothing, but their god was called Abba. Which, I mean... That was my dad in the late 80s, for sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, just cranking the dancing queen. Yeah, I, you know, to be fair, I carried the torch for him into my adult life. Mine was Ace of Bass. Very similar. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, there's a musical based on the music of ABBA called Mamma Mia, where a girl goes to, like, Greece, and she finds out that her mom may have had sex with three different dudes, and they all, like, are there... There's a whole thing where they try to figure out who the real dad is. I had something similar involving uh, Mamma Mia. And it was, but it was three guys all denying that they ever knew my mother and that they were my father. And there was a whole thing on uh, Mori Povich. And it turns out it was none of them. And my mom was basically a prostitute in the early 80s. It was, it was not as fun as the musical, I found. Interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Very interesting. <laughs> it's good to know. Craig, are you my dad? This whole podcast has been a mama mia to set you up to see if you're my father. Well, you're older than me, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Magellan saw an opportunity and worked diligently to convert them all to Catholicism 
and even held a mass on Easter Sunday, March 31st, although it's hard to say how much the Filipinos were just kind of humoring him. A week later, Magellan left Limasawa for the island of Cebu, where he once again began converting the island natives. Yes, Greg, and little-known fact, the Filipino men who lived on Cebu had the unique ritual of piercing their penises with long bolts that had points on each end known as palongs. Because of this, sex between the natives of Cebu was a long, drawn-out affair that could take up to a day. The piercings were designed to further stimulate the Filipino women who had access to artificial penises, which was unheard of to the Europeans. The European men who documented this phenomenon swore up and down, however, that the Filipino women greatly preferred the quickies that they had with the sailors of Magellan's fleet. Yeah, you know, I totally buy that because yeah, I don't. I try to keep this stuff private, you know, my private life. Yes, but I'm not perfect. My marriage isn't perfect. I've had some what? marital issues. What? Yeah, this is a first like the, for Hunter Proof history. What? Did, are you okay? Well, in like the three to four years that we've been married, it's been a good three four years. But we've had we've had some separations. There's been well several times that you know we'll we'll separate, and I'll be pouting on the couch in the living room, and and like I said, we're separated, but she's already. You know, she's found a new boyfriend that day. It's always the the same guy that she works with, which <laughs> okay. always I think is weird, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I'll hear them upstairs, and honestly, dude, it sounds like she's in pain, like <laughs> absolute pain, just up there, just oh, you know, like what are you in labor? Yeah, right. And it takes forever. Mm -hmm. Then the next day, we'll make up and have. Marital relations, like you do when when you have the makeup sex, mm -hmm. and she's she's quiet, and I know it's because she's comfortable. She's not <laughs> hurting like these women on Cebu with nuts and bolts and all this other crap, you right? Know? Yeah, she's just nice, silent, quaint. That's how comfortable <laughs> it is. So, like, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I she was snoring one time. And that made me feel good. It was like, man, I'm just like rockabye baby, just putting her to sleep. That explains so much because one time you texted me and said, hey, we just had sex and it was fantastic. And she texted me and said, hey, I just finished 20 levels of Candy Crush. I was like, what? This is incongruous. Maybe they just meant to. I think I know the time you're talking about <laughs> because the brightness on her phone was it was up a little too high. Oh, and I that's actually, awful. I kind of got a little perturbed about it. I was like, no, don't look at me. <laughs> and then she turned down her brightness and I was like, okay. And I quietly began my short strokes again. <laughs> so, yeah, I do remember that. That's funny. That's funny. That, yeah, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. Small world. Yep. <laughs> but just like the people on Cebu, you know, it takes a village to make a marriage work. It really does. And in in my situation, it takes all the dudes in the village. <laughs> some for her, some for me. All the villagers, all those laborers out in the field with their muscles, their sweat. You know, just 
leaning back in the sunset, wiping the sweat off their face. They look at the porch. Your wife is there in her big hoop dress, because apparently in, in this version of the story, it's 1871. And she's like, oh, I can't get that from my gentleman fop husband. It takes a village. From my what? Gentleman fop husband. What's a fop? It's like a dandy, you know? Like a... Oh, my, let me put my monocle on. I, I don't know. You say this like it's common fucking vernacular. <laughs> I've, no, I've never heard that. <laughs> right, the joke's dead. Fuck you. I quit the podcast. All right. Well, everyone was super psyched to become Christian, except for a group on the nearby island of Mokhtan. Because they refused, Magellan sent his men to burn down their houses. Soon... He was approached by a Mokhtan leader named Sula, who told him that the main holdout was a chief named Lapu-Lapu. Sula asked Magellan to send a boatload of sailors to fight Lapu-Lapu, and, eager to prove his European superiority, Magellan agreed and invited the loyal Cebuans to come and watch the show. Let me show you a real ass-kicking, you native fucks. (laughs) Hey babe, watch this shit right here. Like they've never kicked some ass before. Come on, man. Hey, Sula. I know uh, Caesar kicked your shit in, but uh, watch this. Watch what I'm going to do to you. Different Sula. Definitely different Sula. God, I have misread the entire back half of this book. That is a, that is a Sula. I'm very confused now. Not a Sula. <laughs> On April 27th, 1521, 424 years before Hitler died. Yes. I mean, yeah. You gotta have time frames. You gotta you gotta mark it so people in today will understand what you're talking about. It's very good. Yeah. Magellan and fifty nine other men donned their heavy <laughs> Spanish armor and sailed to Mactan. When they disembarked and began to wade to shore, they were immediately attacked by the fifteen hundred Mactans who were waiting for them. They were pelted with arrows, rocks, and spears, which did little to injure Magellan's men, but slowed their progress and lowered their morale. Eventually, they made it ashore where Magellan ordered his men to burn the Mokhtan huts down, thinking it would scare the Mokhtans into fleeing. Turns out, invading their island and burning down their homes just pissed off the Mokhtans who began to fight even harder. Surprise, surprise. Soon thereafter, Magellan was struck in the leg with a poison arrow. As he limped back towards his ship, he and his men were surrounded. He was stabbed in the arm with a spear, and then his legs were slashed by a large sword. He fell to the ground, and soon the Mokhtans were upon him, and repeatedly stabbed and clubbed him until he was dead. Seeing this, the Cebuans, who had been watching, rushed in to help the Europeans, who wound up losing 13 total men. Oh, Magellan's dead? Okay, well, woo, we did it! Thank you guys for listening, that's the end of this story, obviously. You know, well, probably not... Any more to talk about this uh, circumnavigation of the globe? Obviously, Magellan made it three quarters of the way, and that's the end of the story. So, but as a bonus, oh sweet, we'll give you something a little extra, like a kiss goodnight afterwards. Following his death, Magellan's brother-in-law Duarte Barbosa and Captain Juan Serrano were placed in charge of the expedition. On May 1st, they and 30 men went ashore to have a feast with the Cebuans. Unbeknownst to them, the Cebuans had struck a deal with the Moctans, and they immediately slaughtered all of the Europeans who had come ashore. Yeah. 
the remaining 115 men booked it out of the Philippines and headed for the Spice Islands. Yeah, and one of these guys, it was uh, Barbosa. They captured and actually brought him to the coast and they added like a sword to his neck. Like, hey, let's let's do a ransom thing. And you can just hear the beeping of the boats as they backed out of the harbor to sail away and leave this dude to fucking die on the island of Cebu. They're like, boop, boop, fuck you, I'm sorry, um... This guy's in charge now, okay. They get on the megaphone. They're like, no, no, we're, we're backing up so that we can get you and then flee quickly. <laughs> he's like, what? This, the sails are pointed the Oh, fuck. Oh, damn it. I have made I'm, a huge mistake. <laughs> Without Magellan, the day-to-day operations of the fleet sort of went to shit. The Concepcion became so disrepaired that it fell apart and had to be abandoned leaving the fleet with only the Trinidad and the Victoria. But on the flip side of the dead Magellan coin, when the two ships finally arrived in the spice island of Tidore in November, no one tried to convert any natives or fought any battles. Maybe there's some little lessons learned. Yeah, like when the clover hits your eye like a big cinnamon pie. That's Tidore. Hmm. Spice Island Dean Martin joke. I think I nailed that. We'll just check that off the. Yeah, you did. You God. nailed. You nailed that joke. Well, speaking of clover, the sailors did just what they planned on doing: traded for a shitload of cloves. You know those little cigarettes do the pop poppy thing when you smoke them. Yeah. Back in high school, all the hot goth chicks smoked. Yeah. It's not as bad as tobacco, baby, as a tiny clove cigarette. Yeah, just crackling. Ooh, mm-hmm. it's cool. Hey, check out my uh, Mitsubishi. Ooh, doesn't that thing look cool? Got it's the a Lancer. Yeah. yeah. Got the spoiler on the back. Yeah, they call me the orgasm spoiler. <laughs> I don't really know what that means, but an ex called me that, and so let's get in the backseat of the Lancer, baby. And so that's what I have tattooed on my lower back right now. (laughs) In December, they headed back to Spain. The Victoria and her crew of 60 men would sail west, around the dangerous Cape Horn at the southern tip of Africa, and then up the coast. The crew of the Trinidad planned to sail to America, haul the ship across the continent, and then sail across the Atlantic. (laughs) It is so stupid. They had no idea how big... Like, I picture 1804, they're like halfway across the continent and Lewis Clark going the other way. Like, what are you guys doing? I'm oh, trying to make it back to Spain, man, with all these fucking cloves. We're, uh, we're almost there. <laughs> Where are we? Kansas. What the fuck is Kansas? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the Victoria left first. A few weeks later, the Trinidad left and didn't make it far before turning back to Tadore. When they arrived, they were confronted by the Portuguese who had sailed from the west. They were all imprisoned, and all but a few of them were executed on the island of Tidore. The Victoria's journey back home was incredibly difficult. Rough seas and storms battered the ship and forced the men to make several stops to repair it. At one of these stops, the Portuguese captured 13 men. Another 29 died of starvation or scurvy. On September 6, 1522, Victoria arrived in Spain with only 18 men. Eventually, the Portuguese would release a total of 17 prisoners 
that they had captured from the Trinidad and the Victoria. So in total, of the 270 men who had set out on the expedition in 1519, 235 had died along the way, including the leader, Ferdinand Magellan. In the end, Magellan was viewed as a traitor to the Portuguese, an evil and vindictive captain to the Spanish, and an imperialist asshole to the Filipinos. Still, he had found a strait connecting the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, and his expedition had been the first to circumcise the globe. <laughs> no. Circumnavigate. I have such trouble with that word. <laughs> circumnavigate the globe, which was a feat that no man would accomplish for another 58 years. And you know what? That probably makes being hated by your contemporaries, suffering for two years, and then being brutally killed on a faraway island all worth it. Right? End of story. Woo! We did it. We told the crazy story of Magellan. Unbelievable what this guy went through. And he's just a paragraph in your history books about the first man to circumnavigate the globe. And he didn't even do it. He fucking died. But nobody tells you that story. But we did because we're brave. We're courageous. And we're willing to tell you the stories that your teachers wouldn't. And for that, I am nominating Greg for the Medal of Honor. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think it would get very far, but we'll see. I accept. <laughs> well, we do have a few more things we have not told you, and I think they're very important for you to know, so we will do that right now in this little thing we like to call the Fast Facts. <laughs> Fast Fact number one. There was actually a second Portuguese man, Ru Faero, who was supposed to serve as Magellan's co-captain. He was a cosmographer, which was an old-timey term for, quote, guy who guesses where things are in unexplored territory, end quote. Before the expedition set off, it became apparent that Falero was suffering from mental illness, and he wound up skipping the voyage. Now, some sources say King Charles had him removed, but others say that Falero stayed behind after a horoscope told him that he would die on the trip. Fast Fact Number 2 It would be over 200 years after Magellan's voyage before people figured out that the cause of scurvy is a dire lack of vitamin C. In 1746, a Scottish naval surgeon, James Lind, figured out the cause, but it would still take 50 more years before everyone accepted his findings. In 1795, British sailors began to receive a daily ration of lime juice, which earned them the nickname of Limeys. Fast fact number three. When Magellan's men fought and killed the Chamorros on Guam, the men who had stayed behind and were suffering from scurvy begged Magellan to harvest the natives' organs. They believed the fresh human meat would cure their ailment. There was nothing written in the expedition journals to indicate whether or not that request was fulfilled. Fast fact number four. As he was being killed, Magellan was hacked into pieces, which began to float away in the tide. The Moctans rushed to collect them as a trophy. When the Cebuans offered anything Lapu-Lapu could ask for in return for Magellan's body, Lapu-Lapu said he would not return the sailors' remains for all the riches in the world. 
Today, Lapu-Lapu is celebrated as a Filipino hero, and a giant statue of him stands over Mocton Harbor. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, check out HunterproofHistory.com. There you'll find some biographical information about your hosts and the other people who serve on this staff. You'll also find a link to our Patreon, where for just $3 a month, you get access to old episodes, hangovers, videos, and two-day early access to new episodes. And I think we did the math, and it's like 100-something things that people get just for subscribing to the Patreon that regular people do not get. Yeah, and I did the math. This is a $3,200 value. That's amazing. For three bucks. Yeah. That's incredible. You'd be an idiot not to subscribe. <laughs> also, check out our social media accounts at 100ProofHistory. Instagram's where we're the most active, but you can find us anywhere, man. We love to be interactive with the fans. And you know what? Pro tip for the guys who have made it this long and the boys who made it this long. In just about 10 <laughs> seconds, you're going to hear some very funny bloopers from this episode. So stick around for the end of the episode. In the meantime, I am your sexiest co-host, Christopher, for Dan Dan, the intro man, Wolf Dick, our esteemed producer, and Hambone, the time-traveling puppet. I say thank you for listening. Main host, Gregory, best host, ultimate host, the pent ultimate and ultimate host, Gregory, I say, what else? Uh, I just want everybody to know that Chris fucked up recording this whole thing, and so we had to do it on two separate recordings, even though we did it completely the first time. Fuck Chris, I hate him. Seamless. He's fired, and I rehired him at a lower rate for next episode. So thank you for putting up with it. Goodbye. Yeah, whatever. Maybe. I feel like a lot of people would get that, but okay. You're allowed to say it. Nah, it's fine. And then post a poll. <laughs> Do you know who Rizzo the Rat is? Yeah. And whoever's wrong loves the other one a blowjob. <sighs> like a shot with the whipped cream and you gotta pick it up with your mouth? Sure. To completion. <laughs> I'll win either way. Get my penis sucked or get to suck a penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hilarious, Chris. Good job. On the joke. Don't try to fucking talk to me, you tucked in shirt. <sighs> Sorry, it's work. You're at fucking work right now. <laughs> I'm just comedic genius, Chris. You are. You're very funny. You carried the last episode. I meant to tell you that, but you were carrying that. Yeah, uh, you always think that because you have self-deprecating fucking... I hate myself and I want to die. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Cash me outside where I'll be hanging off the oak tree. How about that? Don't use cash me outside. I just used that in text the other day, and that shit ain't been brought up in like four years. I know I put that shit in your brain.